Number two. It seemed that all of London had been devastated by the bombs. But there was St. Paul's Cathedral standing there in all of its majesty, and on top of St. Paul's was a huge cross. You have a cross embossed upon your Bibles. Many of you wear a cross around your neck. What does the cross mean? Have you ever thought about it? That's one thing that Catholics and Protestants and Eastern Orthodox alike agree on, that the centrality of Christianity is the cross. Why? So much so that the Apostle Paul said, I don't glory in anything but the cross. Samuel Rutherford said, some of us would have Christ cheap, but the price will not come down. The price is the cross. And when I look at the cross and I see Christ dying there, what do I see? I see several things. First, it expresses the depth of my sin. All humanity is like a river polluted at the fountain. It shows the length and the breadth and the height and the depth to which sin can go. I remember when I was a boy, my father had a farm, a little dairy farm in North Carolina. And I was born almost milking a cow. As a matter of fact, I still at night wake up feeling that I'm milking a cow. And one of the worst things about milking a cow is when the cow switches her tail around and hits you in the eyes. I believe that's the most horrible pain you can possibly have. But in the middle of that farm, there was a beautiful creek, plenty of water coming through, but the cattle couldn't drink because it was polluted. There was a chemical plant or a hosiery mill or something up the stream. I've forgotten exactly what it was, but it always smelled. We called it Sugar Creek, but it was anything but sugar. It was polluted all the way. Well, that's the way all of humanity is. There's a river running down through the human race, and it's called sin. And if you want to see what's wrong with the human race, read the first chapter of Romans. It'll tell you precisely what's wrong. The Bible tells us like it is. The Bible says we've all sinned, and sin cannot be measured by other people. You see, many people will tell me, well, I'm as good as he is. God doesn't judge you by the other man. He judges you by his own standards. God says, be ye holy as I am holy. The Bible says, without holiness, no man can see God. How can I be as righteous and holy and good as God? I can't. There's no way. And yet God requires that if I'm to get to heaven. That righteousness and that holiness must be given to me by God because it was purchased for me on the cross. Now the penalty of this disease of sin, of course, is death, spiritual death, separation from God and judgment in hell. So the cross says to the world, you're a sinner. And the cross passes its judgment upon the vanities and prides and hates and greeds and self-indulgent pleasures and lusts of men. The heart needs to be changed. That's why Jesus said, you must be born again. You must have a new birth. You must have a new start. And that's why Jesus on the cross took your sin. The Lord had laid on him the iniquity of us all. Who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree. The cross expresses the depth of sin and, and it shows me how that Jesus Christ hung there and died for me. He took the sin and the judgment and the hell that I deserved on that cross. And then the second thing. The Apostle Paul gloried in the cross because it shows the love of God. God is saying, I love you. I love you. 
love you. I love you. And that love that God has for us is an everlasting love. It's a love that you cannot manufacture yourself. It's a love beyond that which you have with your children or your parents or anyone that you've ever known. It's God's love, a holy love, a supernatural love that God has for you. But God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God loved us so much that even while we were sinning, he loved us and died for us. That's the reason he said from the cross to the people that were driving the nails in, he said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. He loved them so much. He loved you so much and he can see you because he was the God man. He can see you out in eternity. He can see you in this year in 1982 and he knows all about you and he says I love you and if you were the only one in the whole world I would have died for you a United States Senator called me on the phone a few months ago he said Billy he said my daughter has just accepted Christ because she heard somebody in a Bible class make that statement the statement is this if you had been the only one in the whole world Christ would have died for you. That's how much he loves you. And so, he said, my daughter's life has been changed because of it. And then thirdly, the Apostle Paul gloried in the cross because it is the only way of salvation. The only way. I wish I could tell you there were a hundred ways to God, but I can't. The Bible only outlines one way. Ritualism will not save us. Works will not save us. The Bible says there's a way that seemeth right, but the end thereof are the ways of death. I saw a man many years ago pick up a football in, a, in, in the Rose Bowl. It was, I think, 19, it would have been sometime in the 40s. And he picked up the ball and he ran about 45 or 50 yards and the crowd was screaming and he thought he had a touchdown and he'd run the wrong way. Now he was a very sincere man, but sincerely wrong. You can be sincere in your religion, but be wrong. Jesus said, enter ye in at the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be who go in that way, because narrow is the gate and hard is the way which leadeth unto life and few there be that find it. Notice he said, few will find it. Only a few in every generation. It's a narrow gate, it's a narrow road. Most of the people are on that broad road that leads to destruction. Now the narrow road is not going in a different direction. The narrow road is going up through the middle of the broad road. That's the reason it's so hard. Because you go, you live in the same place that you live now. You work at the same job. You become a different person and you start living for Christ in the midst of the broad road. And you're going against the stream and the tide of humanity that's going the other way. You've quit your lying as a practice. You've quit your immoralities. You've quit all of those things that you know are wrong. And you're living a new life for Christ. So he said, because narrow is the gate and hard is the way which leadeth unto life and few there be that find it. It's not easy to follow Christ. I'm going to be honest with you. It's hard. 
It's hard if you try to do it by yourself. But when you come to Christ at the cross, you see the Holy Spirit comes to live within you and he begins to live Christ through you and in you and produce the fruit of the Spirit. So that actually living for Christ becomes in a sense easy. But it's also hard. I've just come from a part of the world where it's very hard. And where it has developed strong giants of Christians that love the Lord in a deeper way maybe than I'll ever know because I've never experienced what they've experienced. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord,